Hello and good evening and welcome to Channel 17 Town Meeting Television. Tonight we have another of our candidate forums. This is for Chittenden 6-7 for state representative and we have two candidates and only one is here right now. We have Hal Colston and we're waiting and hopefully when she gets here we'll have Deanna Gonzalez as well. Now these folks are representing um, Winooski and we're going to go through, we're going to start with Hal. This is a pretty easy one, Hal. <laughs> uh, why don't you tell the folks exactly why you're running and what brings you to the table tonight? Sure. Thank you, Howard. Um, I'm running for representative to be a voice for the people. I believe that we need to have a voice uh, under the Golden Dome that speaks to social, economic, and racial justice. I also have a platform, uh, three things I want to focus on. Housing policy, so we have uh, policies that are fair for all people living in Winooski as well as Vermont. Uh, I'm interested in economic development. Um, Winooski is a growing city and I want to make sure all of our voices are heard. And community development, community engagement. Um, we have a very diverse city in Winooski. We're the most diverse city in the state, if not the region. And I want to make sure that all our voices are heard. I have experience as a social entrepreneur. I started the Good News Garage. I started Neighbor Keepers. And in all of those efforts, community engagement has been a very important um, strategy for making sure all voices are heard. So I want to be the representative for all of Winooski. That's excellent. Um, Hal, tell me a little bit about, um, you know, what you have found for the economy. One of the things that were, it looks like that Vermont has got a bleak outlook for the economy coming up. Um, who knows if that's true or not, but that's kind of the prediction right now. What do you think your role would be if you were our representative to help Vermont um, pull out of that that prediction? I think we do have challenges with our economy going mm. forward. Um, we're the second greatest state in the country. Um, we have baby boomers who are retiring every day um, and are coming out of the workforce. So we, we have our challenge. But I think we also have an opportunity. We have many new American residents who have skills, who are engineers, who are doctors, who are nurses, who are professionals. And the way our current system is set up, um, their credentials aren't acceptable. So we need to find a way to engage that part of our potential workforce and, and move our economy forward. Uh, that's fascinating. Um, I want to also remind our viewers that uh, you can call in questions, and the number is 862-3966. If, uh, Deanna, you're out there and trying to get to us, you can call in also if you'd like. That's 862-3966. Maybe you can get a voice in that way. So that's interesting. So let's tie that, that whole thing in also to healthcare and what you see for the vision of healthcare here in Vermont and maybe even nationally. I uh, served on the VNA board for seven years. I chaired it for a few years, and I served on their honorary board as well. That's the Vermont Nursing Vermont Nursing yeah. Association, which um, just went through a renaming um, process, now allied with the University of Vermont mm -hmm. uh, Medical Center uh, Health Network. Um, the VNA provides such a service and value to our healthcare system that it's it, it's one-tenth of what it would cost to hospitalize someone. Mm. So the goal of getting people back into their homes 
And under that kind of collaborative care is really, really crucial, I think, to holding down our costs. And I also believe that the all-payer model that the UVM Medical Center is testing out for the next five years is something to look closely at. Mm. Uh, their goal is to have 70% of the healthcare providers into that system, into that network, as a way to cap and hold those costs down. Mm. Well, that's, uh, let's expand on that a little bit. Um, so what, where do you see, if, if, if that holds true, how's that going to affect, because we do have a diverse community. I'm from Winooski as well, and how does that impact? We obviously have um, a community not only diverse ethnically, but yeah. also economically as well, so. Well, as, as I mentioned before with regards to how do we move our economy forward, how do we employ and engage our new American neighbors mm -hmm to be in the healthcare profession. Mm. There, there are folks out there with qualifications, but we have to find a way to honor their credentials. Um, uh, and, and Has that been a problem? Well, yes, I, yeah. I think so. I think that's uh, uh, a challenge for our current system, mm. um, not recognizing you know, at, and, and looking at apples and, and oranges. Mm. Um, we need to take a real serious look at how do we revamp our, our accreditation system. So, so the that, licensing system yes. out of the state is right now kind of not allowing people to Absolutely, have, hmm, that's absolutely. Interesting. And there certainly seems to be a need for care people all over the place. Absolutely. So you know, that's interesting, you know, that's, that's an interesting and, and, place. And if I were of the Bhutanese community, I'm gonna mm. be more apt to go to a Bhutanese practitioner mm. and, and feel safe and comfortable and be able to engage. So I think we have we, we have it right in front of us. We just have to figure out how we're going to make this work. Mm. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, and what do what I'm kind of looking at our list of questions and a little bit is a, a little bit about the paid leave and what what your feelings are about um, either supporting or not supporting uh, the paid family leave. And I'm, I'm all for the paid family mm. leave. Um, I believe um, at the end of the day, our our approach to budgeting and, and, and creating uh, uh, our, our plans to, to allocate our resources is really a moral process because mm. a budget is a moral document. And we need to be doing the right thing to support families, to, to help them thrive. Um, it's a disincentive, I think, for, for folks who don't have that kind of uh, benefit um, and, and they're gonna be more apt to, to go elsewhere where they can find that benefit. Mm. And how do you see Winooski right now? Are we, um, are we growing, are we shrinking? I mean, in terms of population and, and those words, what do we know about Winooski right now and where we're going? Winooski is growing. Um, we have a, a very vibrant downtown, um, um, thanks to the leadership of, of Clem Bissonette um, and his efforts years ago to, to help make that happen. Um, we're, we're almost out of uh, space to develop at this point. Um, we're really looking at affordable housing and how do we make sure and ensure going forward that we have a, a suitable stock of affordable housing. Mm. Um, we have one of the highest rates of, of renters in the state. So, so we, we, we have a mix of, of, of folks who, who call Winooski home, but I think um, going forward, we're, we're really looking towards uh, a major revitalization mm -hmm. of our Main Street corridor. Yes. A $23 million bond was passed by um, the voters. Um, we're looking at, um, you know, 
rehabbing our, our pool that's been out of commission for the last couple of years. You know, those things that make a quality of life and, and attract families. So I think Winooski will continue to grow. We also, I think, have a gem in our school system. Uh, the Winooski School District. That's where I was going next. What do you think, as a state representative, obviously the whole idea of paying for um, schools, it comes right back on the state reps, which comes right back to the local thing. What, what's, how's your, um, what are your thoughts on how we can afford our school systems in the future? Well, um, I just want to say a little bit more about Winooski schools. Um, mm -hmm. We were very fortunate to benefit from um, a major grant from the Nellie May Education Foundation, and I was involved with the Partnership for Change for the past five years, and and we helped Winooski. What is the Partnership for Change? What is it? Uh, the Partnership for Change um, is a school change initiative. Okay. And and we had about 5.25 million dollars over a six-year period okay. to focus on Winooski as well as Burlington, in particular the high schools, oh, wow. and to help them shift to a student-centered, proficiency-based learning system. I do system. remember that. I do remember the whole presentation on that. Exactly, yes, yes. Which, which is starting to shift the paradigm about how teachers deliver education. Mm -hmm. So instead of teaching to the subject, you teach to each and every student. Yes. And, and with both of those high schools having um, the diversity where there's 40 plus different languages spoken, um, it comes a real challenge for, for teachers to, to connect and, and to deliver their education. So, so having that, that, that shift, I think, has, has really um, made Winooski Middle High School a real gem where if it was located in another city, it could be a charter school with people lined around the block to, to, to get mm -hmm. in. So it, it's, um, it's, it's really, I think, producing the outcomes that we want to see where our, our, our kids are graduating with a sense of, of, of purpose, of aspiration, and they'll be successful in community college or career. Okay, so let's get back to the state's role in all that and how they can help us achieve those things for our kids. Well, with Act 77 that passed several years ago, uh, the Flexible Pathways um, legislation, it, it's given schools um, the mandate to shift to this model that I just described. Mm -hmm. So by 2020, all of our students will be graduating based on proficiencies. Mm -hmm. And what that means is that you have to demonstrate that you have mastered a unit in a course before you move to the next unit to the next unit. Um, as opposed to being pushed through and sometimes graduating without the skills and the 21st century skills that we all know that are important, you know, collaboration, communication, creativity, um, problem solving, and, and being civically connected. So those are the kind of soft skills that, that we need now in our workforce. Mm. So um, having schools shift to that kind of model is, is going to be better for our communities and for our, all of our students. But for many of the citizens in Winooski, it really comes down to what's, how's it going to affect their dollar, how's it, how, their wallet. What's, what do you think the state's approach should be as it becomes more challenging? Winooski obviously may be growing, but so many parts yeah. of the state yeah. are seeing decreases, and yet their costs are going up as well. Yeah. So, you know, as a state rep, you're going to be, you know, having to, you know, kind of work with all yeah. those sides. Those things. Sure. Um, I'm, I'm willing to look at, at, at some other ways of, of funding our educational mm. system, um, um, uh, possibly an, an income-based um, tax system. 
um, that would be fair and equitable, of course. Um, you have to be in mind when you have folks who are struggling with a lack of resources, it's important that um, we have a system that's fair to them. But I'm not so sure if the current system based on property taxes is really delivering all what it intended to deliver. That's great. Um, well, we're pretty lucky that Deanna made it here. We're so happy to see you. And um, uh, we're going to get her mic'd up. And we'll give you a couple minutes here, um, Deanna, just to tell the audience, um, give us an update on why you want to continue doing this. Yeah. Well, um, firstly, I apologize for having the time incorrect. I thought we were at 45. So um, uh, super glad to be here. Uh, and I'm running for a third term because I really have been very humbled to be part of some amazing legislation that we've been able to go through that has had a huge impact on Vermonters in general and folks in Winooski specifically. So in my first term, one of the bills that I was part of was Ban the Box. And that bill um, says that if you are applying for a job, you um, it is not now legal to have a little spot that says, have you ever been convicted of a crime? And that now um, is something that you can't do, which opens up the doors for, for folks that have had interactions with the um, the judicial system in some way or another, and it just makes it possible for people to get to that next step of actually face-to-face. -face. So it's one very small um, thing that has a really big impact that I was able to be part of the first time that I was in session and in uh, my first term. And last year I was also part of some really impactful things. And um, uh, two things that I want to highlight around uh, employment. And one was that Vermont uh, did not have any protections for workers that were pregnant. So there was just a hole in the law. And we saw some um, horrific stories in that of people losing their jobs or having unsafe working conditions. And so we fixed that. Um, and so now there are protections for uh, employees who are pregnant. And then we also looked at what happens when people give birth. Um, and looked at and uh, we passed a paid family medical leave insurance program that would have uh, have had great benefits for Vermonters. Unfortunately, that uh, bill was vetoed, and that is something that myself and a number of other legislators are really looking to, to try again on. And, uh, and things like that that have very tangible results uh, for folks is something that I'm very proud to, to be part of and, and to move things forward. I want to just keep with you, um, Deanna, just for a little bit, and that um, what what have you learned in in your first two terms? What yeah. from when you started, mm -hmm. and now being a part of the legislative process, yeah. what what can you tell us that you you figured out now? You know, so. <laughs> That's what we want, right? We want politicians to figure it out, right? to like know what it is to do. Um, and I well, think not necessarily, but I, you know, what, you know what. You know, what? what's the end? I, I want the behind the scenes uh -huh, kind of thing uh -huh. of, okay, this is how I figured out how to get these things done, so. Well, I think the biggest thing is really listening to your constituents. So what is it that is happening in people's lives and what is it that people need? So it's not always possible for people to articulate what it is that they need to get fixed, but it is possible for people to say, this is the problem that's happening and I, I need something around it. And so then I really see it as my job to take what folks are saying of what it is that is going on for them and then see how we can address that at the legislative level. There's so many avenues for social change and the legislative level is just one of those. And there, really the thing that I figured out in my two terms is talking to people. 
So it's my responsibility to talk to constituents and listen to folks, and it's my responsibility to talk to my other legislators and see what is it that they need in order to move forward on things that I think will really improve the lives of Vermonters. Thank you. Um, so I, I'm not going to talk too much about agriculture because we're not that agriculturally based mm -hmm. in our yeah. and, and, and Winooski, but I do want to talk about the opioid thing a little mm -hmm. bit and how you know I'm going to give give us a little bit of what we need to do to address this because that is impacting our area and and um, tell me what you th your thoughts are on that. Well, I, I think it's even bigger than opioids. I think we have a, an addiction you know epidemic and. I would look to the work that's being done in Burlington. Yeah. They have a, a, a structure called ComStat, and they bring together probably 30 to 40 people, including the mayor and the police chief and, and all these, these organizations that are involved in this work. And they sit around the table and they communicate you know, about you know, John Doe, who's having challenges, who knows this person, who's doing what for this person, it's, it's just collaboration live. And I think we have to have that kind of approach because these are our neighbors, you know, and we have to realize that they need support and they need help. And, and we gotta make sure we're all working on the same page. And I think Winooski can learn from that model. And I'm looking forward in the future to see how we might participate in that model. Okay. What do you think? I think one of the things that we forget to talk about uh, is not just the direct service, which Hal is talking about, and it's very vital to really look at what services individuals who are struggling with addiction need, but we also need to look at why there's an addiction issue in the first place. And it has a huge thing to do with the economics and a huge, uh, huge factor of do you have hope, do you see opportunities, do you see options? And when we uh, pull back and look at the economics, and I know one of the questions on your list is economics, maybe you all have already talked about that, but that um, we have low unemployment in Vermont. However, most of those jobs are low wage jobs. And we do not have folks that have enough money to get by. We can look at our um, livable wage index that we have in Vermont that says if you are childless, if you live with a roommate, if you have no debts and you have no savings and you never go on vacation, then $15 an hour is a livable wage. Now, find me somebody that doesn't have debts, um, that doesn't want to save for the future, uh, and that has all of those conditions. It's going to be a rare person, uh, yet I can find lots and lots of people that are making below minimum wage. and that. Um, and we were able to pass increasing the minimum wage to $15 an hour by 2020, which I think is still kind of slow, And it was, but it was on a track that uh, enough business owners were able to see how that would be possible to do. And again, our governor vetoed that. And so um, really looking at, when we're looking at addiction, we need to pull back and look at the economic situation and the hopelessness that a lot of people have when you're in uh, a dead-end job that doesn't make a livable wage. And so um, it's hard to have hope, and that's when people turn to addiction. Al, do you, do you want to respond to that? Well, I, I, I totally agree with Deanna. Um, I think um, people don't wake up and want to be poor, and, mm -hmm. and we have a structure that really um, makes it so difficult for, um, for folks to move into um, that livable wage realm. Um, and what happens is we, we, we pay downstream you know, with our AHS budget, which is <coughs> over a billion dollars. And so we have all of these resources and interventions that we have to pay for. 
And I think it's, it's really pound foolish that we need to really focus on how do we grow our economy with economic development and jobs that really support families. And, and how do we do that? I mean, that, I guess that's really the golden question in some ways. That they, you know, there will be people who say, well, we have too many, if we cut taxes or make it easier for businesses to come in, that will bring in jobs. And others that say, no, you know, that's, you know, that, you know, it's that pull and mm. you know tug that we constantly mm. have. How does the how do you at the state say, okay, how can we make the economic environment better mm. for not only Winooski but everyone else? So what do you think? Well, I think one, uh, Vermont is forward thinking in lots of ways. And mm. one way that we have done it, that we have a great opportunity and, and Hal has a lot of experience in this is with the personalized learning plans that we have in our school system now. And so with those, there's an opportunity for apprenticeship and internship like there has never been before. And so really connecting high school students with the job training that they need to fill the jobs that we have in Vermont. We have high-skilled jobs here in Vermont. We have tech companies that are begging for fulfillment, and yet we're not quite matching that. And, and I think that the personalized learning plans can really assist that, and those are still in formation in a lot of places, uh, but it's it's a really great opportunity to, to connect. And looking at, the, we need to think about timelines. So one of the challenging things about uh, creating legislation is that we're on two-year cycles as elected officials, and yet the economy is not on a two-year cycle, and education is not on a two-year cycle. And so looking beyond that is, is vital to saying, even though I'm only elected for two years at a time, and, and I hope to, to be able to serve, you never know. But nevertheless, I need to look, we need to look beyond that time frame to see how we can support our education system that's gone through a lot of different changes with governance merging and, um, and Act 46 and all of these ways. Yet it's still, we're still able, I think, to encourage the systems that's already in place to help match the skilled jobs that we currently have in Vermont. I would also look to education. Um, the data shows that when a child is in elementary school, their level of aspiration is at its highest. Mm -hmm. And then by middle school, it starts to dip. And then by high school, it tanks. Mm. So how do we make sure kids are inspired to um, mm -hmm. welcome their education? Um, there's an example at the South Burlington High School. There's a program called Big Picture Learning. So it's a school within the school. Mm -hmm. And it's all project-based learning. And Big Picture Learning is a network, um, not only around the country, but around the world. and um, they have shown in their data, their longitudinal data, that 70% of their students are in a career path that was directly related to their project. Wow. Mm -hmm. So how do we really get kids excited about education is really the key. That's very, well, I'm going to be a little bit self-indulgent, but I do want to remind our viewers that you can call in with a question, and the number is 862-3966. You can call in any time, and we'd love to have one. Um, I want to talk, uh, get a little self-indulgent here about funding for things like Channel 17 and open media, because, yeah. the, you know, it's an issue for us. If those of us that believe in democracy, this yeah. seems to be an arm. How, what do you think? Uh, would, would you see, uh, you know, funding sources are starting to dry a little bit. Do you think communities will back or increase um, and help us in the open media way? I think we need to be really um, creative and figure out how do we how do we look to the Netflixes and the Hulas mm. who, who are out there 
um, drawing in billions of dollars. And, and, and they do, I think, have a role in supporting this, this part of our, of our democracy. Um, so I think we need to um, find that strategy to bring them to the table and, and to have those conversations about how do we, how do, how do we tax them in a way that's gonna support our, our community uh, media and, and our, our local democracy. I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, I think that when we look at the scope of funding that we are able to offer as a state, I think the avenues for democracy are key. And we have been able to do a lot of um, non-funded um, movement in terms of democracy in Vermont uh, being the one of the few states that has same-day registration now. So these pieces that are in structurally and really I think we need to be key in maintaining an open media and part of that is funding um, places like this where people have access to information about local candidates, information about what's happening in our local community because as as, as Hal brings up these different um, big media things that our, uh, our information is getting narrowed and narrowed and specialized and specialized. And so in that, our view of the world is getting narrowed and it's really important to maintain the places such as, such as CCTV in order to uh, keep open access and keep democracy so that we're not just narrowing in. We're down to just a few minutes, and so I want to give an opportunity for you, both of you to give a couple minutes of, mm -hmm. of closing. But if you can j indulge me a little bit about yeah. government effectiveness, what you th you both have been involved in communities and, and working with the what, how can we improve government effectiveness? Well, I think transparency. Mm -hmm. um, I, I would love to see how we can. Um, make public um, the the day-to-day -day transactions mm -hmm. in the legislature. Mm -hmm. You know, the committee meetings. Um, why is that behind closed doors? You know, I think we need to look at different ways to, to bring in the community in, into the, our work at the legislature. So I think transparency is, is an important one. Um, I think we also need to look at how do we, how do we capture good data mm -hmm. and, and, and utilize it across all the various um, the departments and um, and, and so that we're effectively working, as, as I gave the example of the CompStat uh, model, that, that we're all on the same page and, and we have data that we can work with and that's going to change our behavior. It seems like if we can do this at the high school level. <laughs> what do you think? You've been in the system now a little bit. What, would you, what could you tweak to make it more effective? Yeah, I think that uh, one of the f funny things that's happening at the national level and, and here in Vermont is that, that some of the traditions that we have had in, uh, um, in people are not following. Mm -hmm. And so there's pluses and minuses to that. And so part of the minuses that we can see in the last uh, two years, in the last biennium, is that uh, we got curveballs at the end of the session by the governor and, and those um, not following tradition I think um, makes it a little difficult. I think you're you maybe out of time. We're almost out of time, the, so okay. I want to give you both at least a minute here yeah, too, if yeah. we can, to just uh, tell the tell the people, you know, your final message. Start us off, Hal, and then we'll give the, sure. the, the last word here. Well, I believe we are in a very divisive time, more divisive than I've ever seen um, in my lifetime, mm -hmm. and I think it really calls for, um, you know, building relationships across differences. And, and, and how do we learn to really listen, understand, um, and accept our differences? 
and, and, and learn what it really means to be in dialogue and to collaborate. And I think if we can accomplish that, we will do great things. Yeah, um, I am trying to find which camera to look at. Um, <laughs> Along with the red one. <laughs> right. I'm, uh, I'm so excited to be running again for a third term. Uh, as I mentioned in the beginning, it's been very humbling to be part of amazing legislation that made a huge impact on people's lives. And I hope to continue to do that, to really look at the ways that we can, can shift things to benefit folks in Winooski and across Vermont. Well, I want to thank both of you. I feel as a Winooski resident that we're very lucky. Whoever gets this position is, uh, we're in good hands no matter what happens. So, well, and it's both of us. Yes. Yeah. Just to be clear to yeah. the viewers out there sure. of that we're a two-seat district. So there's yeah. 8,000 um, 8, residents in Winooski and a bit of Burlington. Uh, and uh, and Hal is as a writing candidate right. and, and I'm on the ticket. Uh, and so then, both of you when yes. you get in. So uh, we're in good shape right, right there. And I want to thank the folks uh, who have been watching. You can find us online. Also, you can find repeats of this if you want. And uh, don't hesitate uh, to support uh, town meeting television and open media of all types. And uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you so much for watching tonight.